This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Heather Caro. And I'm Joe Rutt. And we're broadcasting this morning from the Mustard Seed Catholic Bookstore here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Had a fantastic and quick morning, Joe. Man, I can't believe first hour's already over. It's been over. I know. It's crazy. It's like six minutes past. Well, no. That's what what happens when you have great guests uh, and the conversation just flows naturally. Good topics to chat about with education on the front end with Dr. Weber and Dr. Heron. And then getting excited for kind of a big Catholic education experience here in Sioux Falls, and that is the Dakota Bowl which is really one of the first bowl games that started in America between O'Gorman Catholic School, high school, and Fargo-Shanley up in North Dakota was the first Dakota Bowl. Wouldn't that be fun if they played again? I know. I just told them we need to get that thing cooked back up. So it was great to have that conversation. And now we get to turn it over for our next conversation. We get to talk about uh, education again Mm -hmm. with Jameson Rounds. It's kind of an education kind of day. Right, it is. With Jameson Rounds, a professor and uh, the dean of the, the chair of the business program at Mount Marty University, as we talk about business and uh, virtue, values, Catholicism, uh, wrap it all together and kind of have a conversation about what is the relationship possibly hmm. between business and uh, the faith. I love it. Well, Jameson, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we head into this great conversation. Uh, well, I'm married to my wonderful bride, Kathy. I've got four kids, 14, 12, 10, and 8. I'm trained in economic development uh, in government. I'm an attorney. You know, forgive me for I understand that, but um, I have a company, <laughs> Value Advisor. Uh, um, I have a company, uh, Business Value Advisor, that helps owners discover, improve, and get the value from their business. We do regulatory and business sale valuations and negotiate mergers and acquisitions. As part of that, I'm working with an intellectual property law firm out of Chicago, IP Horgan, that just expanded to South Dakota, and so I'm actually an attorney uh, on the list for that firm as well. But my passion is being here at Mount Marty and being the chair of the business department at the uh, 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 university down here in Yankton and teaching students and working with students in the practical realities of the business world and helping them become virtuous contributors to the business and to the real world. I'm what's called a pracademic. That means I have one foot out in the practical world and one foot out in, in the academic world. And so we tried not just only to do the theory, but very much the practice of how things work. Well, that's a great place to jump mm-hmm. in. And, and uh, oftentimes I've found education can be compartmentalized. Not only do we compartmentalize education from what we call real life, yeah, but even in academics, we compartmentalize business from philosophy or philosophy from theology or you know nursing from ethics and so as we take a look at business right now, I'm very interested as a pracademic, what do you see out there in the business world, the challenges that businesses and business leaders are facing in relationship to COVID? It's funny you mentioned that we compartmentalize because that seems to be the, the biggest problem that, that I've, I've witnessed. The biggest problems we see are confusion and the inability to rely on experts. Um, you know, we've moved to this world of credentialism that you're not allowed to speak unless you have XYZ credentials. And the credentials, uh, frankly, have led a lot of the credentialists, have led a lot of the businesses down. Uh, you know, the businesses are out there. They want to protect their livelihood, but they want to protect their employees and their customers. 
but they can't get consistent info. Um, mm-hmm. They're told to follow these orders and to do this and to do that, and then all of a sudden the orders change. Or they're told to rely on this expert, but then the experts on the both sides uh, can suddenly become political. Um, they, they saw mistakes being made and they knew it, but they felt powerless to speak up because they weren't the right experts. Uh, mm-hmm. But often, the experts weren't experts. And, and I want to hit on something here, because if, if you all remember that massive debacle with the Lancet, that the medical journal that's online, it's a respected journal, and they published, I, I guess we're going to put it in quotes, a study about the hydroxychloroquine uh, and how that didn't work, only to have to then retract it. Uh, this is in June, because the company that did the study, uh, basically, I mean, from what everybody can tell, it looks like it's, uh, it was basically a group of political hacks uh, media personalities, and a porn star. Um, so uh, the research didn't exactly uh, meet the, uh, the the real standards. And and, and, I, and, I, and in preparation for this, I, I got an excerpt from a blog. Now, this is a blog from a, a, a surgeon that is generally not favorable to hydroxychloroquine and is not favorable to Trump. Okay, so this is kind of an, an, another side blog. But it was a surgeon who was really trying to do the right thing and was trying to get information out. And uh, this really sums up what a lot of businesses and families across the world are feeling. And it says, lessons from the Surgisphere debacle. Uh, And the surgeon writes, I'm furious over this debacle. First, I'm furious at myself, and more than a bit ashamed, for not having sniffed out how dubious Surgisphere was right from the start. I even recall having nagging misgivings as I perused the Surgisphere website, thinking that the website didn't really provide much information or evidence for how uh, the database was used, and uh, it seems a bit off. And, my, and he says, I ignored them. Equally, I'm furious at the authors of these papers, the academics who collaborated with these folks, um, uh, to put the paper like this together with um, such a collaborator require one of two things. Either they were so hands-off in the data analysis as to be totally irresponsible, or if they weren't, they should have gleaned from interacting from the, the lead person that Surgisphere's database was too good to be true and that the person that they were working with had no background that would have allowed them to do the analysis. Um, when I see that, I come right back to what we talk about at a Catholic business college. In Catholic business and social teaching, from the, from, from, from the perspective that we have it in, in the Catholic business and social teaching, mm-hmm. businesses are having to deal with the secular world abandonment of the principles of subsidiarity, that means that the unit closest to the individual in the situation should be able to make the decisions where possible. And they've forgotten that we need to learn to analyze information. Um, one of the huge things in our social teaching is something called fides et ratio, faith and reason. We must be able to use reason. We have to be able to use logic. And Joe, from, you remember this from, from your studies at, at, at St. Thomas, um, one of the first lessons in logic is that your data for forming your propositions must be correct. Manipulate that data, and a small error at the beginning becomes a huge error at the end. The problem is that most of us are taught just to be consumers of the end product and not to analyze the data. So we rely on the credentials, but if the credentials didn't learn how to analyze the data, like this doctor mentioned in in his kind of regret statement, um, we, we really get into trouble. And I think that's what businesses are facing, is that they're seeing this, they're having those misgivings, but they don't know who to trust. And that mm-hmm. confusion and the inability to allow them to make decisions is really the tough one. 
Right. So we live in a world now where we lack trust. Um, and yeah. in some way, maybe we haven't been formed in the proper way or a healthy way to analyze information. And exactly. then you're saying that we haven't been trained to execute the information in a principled way through virtue with things like subsidiarity uh, as a principle. So there's a lot going on here mm -hmm. that you must be working with your students on. Are these principles of subsidiarity and of virtue, are these things that are elements to the curriculum at Mount Marty mm -hmm. with your business program? Well, we're working on it. I mean, whether they like it or not, they get a little bit of it in their classes. About every class they hear, they hear this talk. Um, right. And then they also have a business ethics class that will work through this. And, and, and in combining with the stuff you work with, with the Benedictine Leadership Institute that is, you know, forming that real foundational basis for the, the ethics and the logic and the analytical ability that moves up, hopefully then as we go through and develop the curriculum more in the next couple of years, uh, we'll have a, a kind of a streamlined system where the base is built with DLI, and then when they get into our classes, we can really emphasize those core things unique to each, each, That's each fantastic. sector of business ethics. Yeah. That's fantastic. And... Well, and Jameson, I have to ask, just because um, my mother runs the Mustard Seed Catholic Bookstore here in Sioux Falls, and so we've been in the middle of all of this COVID mess from the beginning. What advice would you give business owners um, as we're sifting through all of this information, all of this confusion, basically what her and I have been doing... What her and I have been doing is basically praying about it a lot. You know, what advice would you give to uh, current business owners and how to <laughs> sift through all of this information? Well, first thing is, I recommend everyone go. Bishop DeGroote wrote an amazing piece on how he analyzed whether or not to reinstitute the Sunday obligation for math. Read that document. He really expresses discernment business and practical leadership discernment in a wonderful way in that document. He gathers the data that he can do the best with. He tried to get the best data he can, and now he tries to look deeper into the data. Is it right? Is it wrong? Are the sources reliable? How is it put together? He did the best deep dive he was capable of doing. And then he prayed about it, and he took it to prayer, and he sat and he, let, and he listened for the movements of the Spirit in a, in a sense of discernment which is a whole other discussion we can have on another day. And, and, and then he acted on it. Now, he acted on it always in charity, and he understood that individual circumstances will be different. So he allowed for individual decisions to be made, and every time he, and he, in each statement, he could see that he was looking at it from the perspective of the other person. He was putting himself in the place of, if I'm a vulnerable person, what would I want? And he didn't look at it for what does he want done as a bishop. He looked at it for what would that vulnerable person want done for them. Then he would look at it and say, but what about that young person who is, you know, generally not terribly vulnerable? You know, young people, they might get it, but they don't tend to get it terribly seriously. It's very rare. So how about their world? He always puts it in the perspective of the other, and then he, he reacts that way. He didn't put his own desires first. He looked out, looked at it from the perspective of other people. I love it. I love it. The uh, conversation around virtue and business. Tell me a little bit about from your practical experience and then what you maybe hope to impart to uh, students that you work with. Uh, 
what is virtue and why is it important? Now we've got just a minute until the break, so uh, we'll, come back. we'll come back to this, but why don't we start with I'll what virtue I'll give you a definition is. of virtue, virtue before the break. A Great. virtue is a habit, it's not a mere habit, but it is a habit, it is a repeated, consistent act of character, okay, of choosing the good, the beautiful, and the true, choosing the right answer, and avoiding the evil with right reasons. So it's not just something that happens automatically, but you make a conscious choice through proper formation. So it's the habitus of choosing the good and avoiding the evil with right reasons, and we'll go from there. And you talk about that habit with right reason. So mm-hmm. virtue is uh, an action of the person, but it begins with an apprehension of what is true first. You have to know what is true first, what is good. Exactly. And then it's something that with your will you choose it. Mm. And you it. have to then learn how to do it. It's hard to practice it. It takes practice. Right, right, practice. And uh, Michael Jordan, I think, would agree that <laughs> habits of virtue, he always said that practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Mm. That idea that you had to practice rightly in order to to develop virtue properly. So with that, I think we'll be taking a short break here. And for our listeners out there, Professor Rounds is actually joining us from his classroom at Mount Marty University with his students listening in on this great discussion of virtue, faith, and business practice. Thank you, Jameson, for joining us. We'll take a short break here in just a minute, and uh, then we'll be right back. And I'd like to talk more about virtue in business practice. What are those virtues that you think are important in order to do business rightly? This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in South Fargo, near Saints Anne and Joachim Church. Lumen Vision is a full-service eye care facility that provides eye exams for both children and adults. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Eco Eyewear, an environmentally friendly frame company that plants a tree for each frame sold. For more information about our mission and scheduling your appointment online, you can go to lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. The world is changing fast and needs problem solvers and critical thinkers. Right here in your backyard, Mount Marty believes every student has the potential to serve the world and make a difference. 
we will help you obtain a degree that prepares you for success by exploring your talents and passion. Our community goes above and beyond to help each student feel at home, surrounded by love and support. We can't wait for you to see what's possible, and we hope the future brings you here, close to home, at mountmarty.edu. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back. I'm Heather Caro. And I'm Joe Rutten. Thanks for listening to Real Presence Live. We're broadcasting today from the Mustard Seed Catholic Bookstore here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And we're having a great conversation with a gentleman in Yankton. Jameson Rounds, uh, professor of business and the chair of the business program down at Mount Marty University. And he's actually coming to us live from his classroom. He's got his students participating, listening in here as we talk about faith, virtue, and business practice. Uh, professor Rounds, uh, do, your, do your kids want to give a shout out? Your students? Okay, give a shout out for Mount Marty, crew. We're keeping them awake at least today, and they're getting a little different type of a run here on, on the that's, class. But that's got outstanding. A wonder, it's one of the great things about Mount Marty. Uh, we, have, we have students um, from all around the world. What, what, what countries we got here represented? Go ahead. Brazil. Brazil. England. Bolivia. Italy. Yes. Yep. Yes. Anybody else back? Brazil too. All right. There you go. And yes. And then states from all around. So wow, that's amazing. Uh, a diverse that. group of folks here from all around the world. And that's it's really wonderful. So. Wonderful. Well, Jameson, as you take a look at at the the work you're doing there with uh, your students, and we're talking about faith and virtue, maybe we can wrap this last section up talking about the role that virtue and that faith has to play in business practices, starting with this habit, this habitus, this uh, uh, action of uh, what are the habits, the habitus that you teach young people or anybody in your, your curriculum that they need to do business well? Well, here's the first thing I want to say. It doesn't matter what business you are in. If you were, I'm in an entrepreneurship class right now. It doesn't matter what faith you are or what background you are. You have to have the discipline to actually work. Okay, mm-hmm. and and all the virtues will add up to this. We have we have you know, and, and you have to have the, the ability to make decisions. So you're going to hear things like prudence. Um, you have to make tough decisions. You're going to have the virtues of courage. You have to treat people in the right way. Give them their due. You're going to have the, the virtue of justice. But one of the things all businesses want from people that work with them, and all entrepreneurs. When we talk about our entrepreneur class, we, we, we say somewhat jokingly that entrepreneurs are the only people that work 80 hours a week to avoid a 40-hour-a-week job, right? <laughs> that, that takes discipline. And so we, we emphasize this notion. And having and Mount Marty has a lot of athletes in, in our group, and we have a lot of people in different activities. And when you're in an activity like music, or you're in an activity like athletics, uh, you learn that you have to practice and develop the discipline to become successful. And there, there's a factor of, of raw talent, but then there's this factor of working hard, developing the discipline to do this. And that doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter your faith. It doesn't matter, your, you know, really your belief system or anything else. 
when it comes down to it, when, when, when the consequences are severe and immediate, like you could lose a game, or you're, you're, you're flying an airplane, or you're dealing with a surgeon, when the consequences of a mistake are severe and immediate, we all expect people to be well-trained, disciplined, and have the ability and the strength and the determination and the perseverance to act. Well, that's what virtue ethics is, right? We, we, we want you to have that character that is always prepped and ready to do that, that doesn't panic in a clutch situation, right? right that doesn't right. go crazy. So that's what the virtue is. And then we tie that in, of course, with the Catholic world that, that has a supernatural effect as well, not just a material effect, but, but again, this faith and reason. It's the same answer. You use logic or you use faith, it should have the exact same answer. The uh, I had uh, somebody once told me, Joe, you should stop being such a character and seek to be a person of character. And I thought, oh, hmm. what are they telling me? Are they telling me I'm fooling oh. around? And you know, like yeah. stop being it. Well, what they were saying was, Joe, you're you're kind of being a clown, right? Well, you need to develop character. And I what I came to discover was that virtue develops and forms my nature and it makes me into what we call a person of character david brooks has this great book called the road to character it's like oh martin luther king says we should judge people by the content of their character Character. it's like how do i develop and form this character oh i do it through virtue i do it through habits the development of a way of living which helps me become an excellent person and that idea that said then i can apply that to my my professional life and all of a sudden i do my professional life with excellence right and i'm not compartmentalizing my life ethics comes from that word ethos which fundamentally refers to a character a consistent way of acting and so a runner a soccer player a basketball player a football player, they develop consistent ways of acting under stress, under pressure. When it's not stressful, when it's not pressure, they develop that consistent way of acting. That is what we talk about when we develop character. That's what virtue is about. That's what ethics is about. That's why we stress virtue ethics here, is that we have a consistent character that does the right thing or tends to make the right decision, particularly when you can't think, when you don't have time to think, when you have to make snap decisions. Um, and, and you have a consistent So when you look at business and oftentimes society, individuals can look at business not as a vocation or a calling or something that's noble. It's it's like you have to put up with them, you know, it's Mm. like, but they're greedy and rich and, you know, they just want Mm. money and uh, there can be the Enron and then you get scandals and things like this. And you're like, oh, wait, when you look at this perception of business, I'd like to invite you to think about, one, business is a calling, and two, when business isn't done well, whose fault is it? If you begin with the second question in mind, when business isn't done well, Jameson, whose fault is it? It always starts with the people involved. You can put blame everywhere else, but there is a... A author that I like to cite my entrepreneurship class, and it's named Guy Kawasaki. He gets what's called the Art of the Start. Great read. My kids read it. Um, but he says, when you're doing something and if something goes wrong, it's your fault. It's your fault. You end up taking individual responsibility. We can look out in the world, we can see all these other things. 
aspect of the it comes down to our character, our responsibility to develop. And we have a lot of outside influence. And they can be bad influences. You can have the worst background in the world. Just because you come from the worst background or the best background uh, doesn't define who you are. You are always capable uh, of making that change and improving where you were. You may not become the best at something later, but you can at least get a start getting in the right direction. Wow, that's outstanding. That is, that's outstanding. Jameson, when you look at being at a Catholic university um, and you look at business and you stop and say, all right, what role has faith played or what role do you see faith playing in the curriculum or in the program or in a business person's life? And then maybe in that sense of, is business a vocation? Is it a calling that's noble, like uh, nursing and Mm -hmm. teaching and these other professions that we kind of hold up? Absolutely. Um, Business is is a way in the sense that we we participate in the creation of of something new, something wonderful, something beautiful, and then we share it with others in a meaningful way so that everyone benefits a little more. I create this. You want a little more than me, you give me something back in trade. And then we use that to create society. We don't uh, abuse society. We, we, we use it to create a better society. The participation, creation, it is a calling, but it's how we make other people's lives better. If it weren't for business, none of my students could be in this class. They couldn't have the clothes they wear. They wouldn't have the seats they're sitting on. They wouldn't have the mm-hmm. iPhones that they're all playing on. Half of them not paying attention to the class. That's what I'm not. Um, they're listening to, uh, the, you know, all of these things are results for business activity. So business right. can be a wonderful force for good. Yeah. Uh, it, can, it can be like anything else. It's a tool that can be used or misused. But when right. used appropriately, you can literally change the world for the good. You can participate in the creation. From the faith perspective that's there, and that a Benedictine college, which is unique to the Benedictine particularly, they are often scholars of the hands of the dirt. They understand this notion of study and work, prayer, in a very practical sense of being out there and helping other people. They're always known for their hospitality. They, they build their monasteries. They have the places where they live, work, pray, but they've always been totally open to helping and supporting those around them. And that's what, what that Benedictine character is about as well. Wow. I tell university you university now. University now. I have, to, I have to keep calling it university. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Mount Marty's lucky to have you, Professor Rounds, down there doing great work, developing and growing that business program. To the students in class listening, I hope you know how blessed you are to Mm -hmm. have Professor Rounds teaching, working with you, leading you as you seek to become people that do the right thing and in business contribute good goods and good services so that all of us can flourish. Amen. 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 Well, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure, and we look forward. Maybe we'll have to have you on again down the road. (laughs) All right. All right. Thanks, Jameson. That was outstanding, Heather. Did you hear him talk about business as being a creative work? This is what Dr. Weber said at the beginning of the show. She wants to teach young people to think, defend, and create. Now you're taking education and you're combining it with business so that all of us are creating young people that are contributing to society that are capable of thinking, defending, and creating for the good of all. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's a fantastic ministry to be a part of. Amen. 
Well, folks, if you've missed any of our interviews today, you can always check them out on our podcast that will be up later today. We do have a fantastic family that's going to be joining us next from Old Gorman Catholic School. So you'll want to stay right with us and you don't want to miss it because they've got some great YouTube videos. We'll be right back with more Real Presence Live in just a minute. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. 